to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown. Because this week's episode starts in three, two, one. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, everyone. It's Amber here reporting from freezing cold Los Angeles. And Jenna, you're here with us and you're all the way from Lake Tahoe, right? Lake Tahoe, which is also freezing cold. <laughs> and Jennifer, our beautiful guest today, is reporting from New Mexico, correct? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And how's the weather there? Freezing as well? It's cold, but it's sunny and there's light snow and it's just, it's beautiful here always. So mm. you see, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Beautifying mental health, the perfect spokeswoman for that. No matter what, she's like, <laughs> she's seen it with beauty. Amazing. So today we're gathered here to discuss the complex, fascinating world of mental health. But before we get too far, this week's episode is sponsored by... Did you hear that? Four Sigmatic, a superfood company founded by a group of Finnish guys who have a thing or two for functional mushrooms and adaptogens in coffee, tea, and cacao. Now, this company has revolutionized the use of medicinal mushrooms, and Jenna and I are hooked and rearing to plow through all of their delicious and easy-to-create potions. So if you are too, head over to our shop tab to get 15% off all four Sigmatic purchases. Now let's get back into this week's topic. Right, Jenna, do you have a little bio um, for Jennifer to share with our audience? Absolutely. So Jennifer Goldman is a wellness entrepreneur, a self-love teacher, and a motivational speaker whose powerful mental health journey informs everything she does. After being diagnosed with anxiety and depression at age 15, she was taken on a two-year-long therapeutic journey and since then has received a dual bachelor degree in religious studies and philosophy, which is my cup of tea, so good job on that, um, from Skidmore College. And she's also certified in a diverse range of holistic healing modalities. She's acquired a unique skill set to thrive and bring balance to her daily life. As a senior in college, Jennifer incorporated Essential Rose Life LLC, which has become a flourishing, mood-balancing beauty brand for mental health and healthy skin. We are so happy to have you with us today, Jennifer. Oh my Thank gosh. you. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. 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 Oh my gosh. Okay. We are going to be getting into beautifying your mental health with Essential Rose Life, which is an incredible product brand that Jennifer has created through her journey of mental health, the triumph she experienced through that crazy journey. Um, before we get into the meat of this, Jenna, do you want to give us a definition on this topic so our audience is really clear about where we're heading with this? Totally. So this is my definition for beautifying your mental health. Beauty beyond your wildest dreams can lie on the other side of a mental health battle. Through mindfulness, through high vibrational self-care practices and personal evolution, we can go from being a prisoner in our own minds to standing freely empowered in our authentic beauty. Hmm. Jennifer, anything to add to that? That is so beautiful and so empowering. And I completely agree. Um, you know, I really believe that beauty is a feeling. Beauty is something that derives from the inside out. And it's a relationship and a way that you treat yourself and that you treat the world around you. Um, and when we look at beauty in this way, it's very empowering because it's really within our um, control to create a beautiful self-relationship. Mm -hmm. And it all begins with the self. Yes. That is our lens for whether things are jagged and, and ugly or beautiful and empowering. It's everything. So this is such an important topic and you are the right person to be leading us through this discussion because I know that you have a remarkable um, journey with, with this topic. Can you tell us about your story? Yeah. So um, 
basically it all started when I was 15. And at the time I had just been diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Um, but really it had been building up until that point. And I was really unhappy and coping with alcohol and relationships and any distractions that I could get my hands on to really, um, take me outside of myself. I didn't like to be, you know, I didn't feel safe in my body, my home, my, my body did not feel like a safe home for me to be. And so my parents just watched as I was not able to support myself and not able to love myself and nurture myself and take care of myself. And they basically decided to make this drastic decision. And they put me through what was a wilderness intervention. So I was pulled out of my bed in the middle of the night, one Thursday morning, my junior year of high school. And I was taken to the middle of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I went through what became a 10 week long outdoor wilderness therapy. And then from there, I went straight to what was called an emotional growth boarding school. So if you can imagine traditional academia sprinkled in with intensive one-on-one -on -one therapy and group therapy and therapeutic workshops, that was my high school experience and where I graduated from high school. Um, and I really consider that the start of my journey because it just completely uprooted me. It removed me from the distractions and it gave me this space to look at myself and look within and see how I was feeling and the source and the root of my behaviors and my negative self-perception. Wow. Yeah. And there's more, but I feel like you probably want to ask me some questions about that before <laughs> I continue. <laughs> I mean, we love a good story as we always say. So, I mean, that's incredible. So, so what you were suffering with before your parents that really concerned your parents when they uprooted you and sent you off to this incredible boarding school where you were taught so many things which were just not taught in real life, right. like how to cope with our perspective, how to cope with the emotions, etc. So you, were, you said you were struggling with anxiety and depression and you were coping with that through drinking and bad relationships, etc. correct? Yes, exactly. And I really describe my mental health challenges as stemming from a combination of things. So yes, there's the brain chemistry piece, you know, depression and anxiety runs in my family and that is a part of my brain chemistry. But I also think it has to do with my sensitivity as a woman. And I think that it also speaks to more universal experiences as women uh, feeling ashamed of ourselves, feeling isolated, wanting desperately to dim our intensity and our drive and our passion and to mask the landscape of our feelings. You know, that's what it was like for me to, to be in my body. It was like, I felt like I was too much. And so I would drink, I would smoke, I would be promiscuous. I just was desperately trying to fit in and to dull down all of the, the full landscape of what I was feeling and what I was going through. Um, yeah. And, and it had been going on for a while. Um, and it really, it just got to a point where my parents basically saw that I was becoming a danger to myself. And I was becoming a danger to them. I was violent. I was angry. I was aggressive. I was frustrated. And so they could not just watch me do that. And I feel very fortunate that they took the steps they did because I think that a lot of women could benefit from what I, what I went through at that young age. Mm -hmm. I just want to ask you, you said that your root cause of your anxiety and depression was your sensitivity. So do you think that that sensitivity and the brain chemistry you said, which you've inherited right. from your lineage, um, right. do you think that that sensitivity has, was always there or was there something that triggered that sensitivity? Well, yeah. So the brain chemistry, that is important. I do not want to uh, undermine that because that's a very serious thing. The sensitivity 
I think was always there. I'm just a very, very sensitive, empathic, uh, intuitive woman. I always was as a girl as well. And I just felt like the weight of the world. And I still do. And when you feel so much, it's hard to sift through that and know what is yours and what is the, you know, what are the feelings of the people around you? And it's very hard to create boundaries. So it can feel very cumbersome and something that we want to escape from. Mm -hmm. And then the coping mechanisms are any type of major distractions with and yeah. anything I can imagine to get you out of your body and feeling so much. Exactly. And I also want to say there were definitely circumstances and experiences that amplified the sensitivity. So, for instance, I was bullied in elementary school and middle school and high school, and I felt ashamed. And there were rumors, you know, I was the victim of rumors and you know, that sort of an experience, that sort of cruelty. And that only heightened my feelings of lack of self-worth and lack of self-esteem. And I know so many people experience this. And that's why I'm so passionate about bullying today and mental health, because if you do not feel safe in your body, how can you possibly be productive, successful, motivated, driven? How can you possibly have the courage to dream and to go after your, what your heart desires? You know, it's not possible. So when I was at school and feeling so unsafe, and of course there were things in my family going, you know, going on as well. So that just that general feeling of lack of safety, completely what you said made me want to escape my body and escape my emotions and escape everything that I was experiencing. Uh, my heart just breaks for you. But I guess, thank you. But I want, I, I feel like it, that's such a universal thing. You know, I don't want people to listen and think, oh, she's, you know, this victim, I really, um, I, I want to put words to what I feel like so many people suffer from. Yes. And it, it does break. Yeah. It, it actually does break my heart to think that people are walking around feeling this way today. That, yeah. That's where the sadness is. I mean, I have a son, a four-year-old and he is innately sensitive and I've looked into his emotion, sensitive emotionality and sensitive physicality and sensitive spirituality. It's just an all-round intuitiveness. So he's literally picking up more stimuli and processing that than the average brain. It's like, yes. you know, society has labeled it because they need labels, you know, <laughs> has labeled it sensory processing disorder, which I'm not hot on that last name, uh, on the last word, but, you know, they have to use it, I guess. And um, I've looked further and further into it, and it's it's just some souls. Who knows a person's soul history? You know, right. you, we believe you could be coming from the Pleiades or another planet before you come into this body. And people have so many. They're inheriting genetics. They're inheriting their little soul contracts. They're inheriting so much that all humans are different some are just so intuitive but so brilliant but so sensitive and and can I also say to that like even if we're not a particularly sensitive person with a sensory processing issue I feel like just that the systems on this planet are very backward and they don't really support yeah. our greater our greater selves and they don't support us um living as our, our higher self. And something that you had said, Jennifer, was this idea of muchness, like that you felt like you yes. were too much. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I feel yes. that. And I think a lot of women feel that yes. sensitive or not. And part of that to me is like this, this almost like patriarchal domination that we're stuck in where um, women were told to be sweet, to be yes. nice. Yes. Tone it down, you know, be good, be a good girl. And this has been generations upon generations of women who have been told to not, you know, listen to their intuitive emotions, to, to press down any sort of uncomfortable feelings that come up. And this has been going on for generations. So now these females are being born and some males do, where it's almost like 
we've inherited this lineage of all these repressed emotions and all of this intensity that we just kind of just want to scream and we just kind of want to like be ourselves in our muchness. But there's so much um, societal pressure for us to tone it down. And I think a lot of, of people feel that. Yeah, 100%. That's it. And Jenna, you said about the systems. I really believe that these systems on this earth are not supportive for sensitive people to thrive. You know, what people, humans. Yeah, but, but pe- people who are thicker skinned seem to be able to kind of like make it further. But people who are feeling so much are usually the creative, artistic. You know, all humans are incredible. But people who are feeling so much find it very, very overwhelming to cope with the intensity of this earth and the system, mm-hmm. the pressures, and the educational, the bullies, that all of that stuff is a lot for a sensitive person. So, when well, one of my favorite I, quotes, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and I think also it, that it's particularly difficult when you are younger. Mm-hmm. For me, at least, I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to blend in. I did not want to stand out. And so when I had all these feelings and this intensity and these emotions and these dreams and desires, it was like, I just wanted to cut it because I, I felt like it made me stand out and just made it impossible for me to just be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But now I recognize that that passion, those emotions, that drive, that intensity, that uniqueness, that meanness is my gift. Mm-hmm. And I want everyone to recognize that, that that is your gift. What you feel, what you think, what you've been through, all of it, it makes you who you are and it contributes to your purpose and your mission here on this earth in this body. So now I'm able to celebrate it, but then it felt like a curse. Oh, well, I'm glad you're on the other side of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, two quotes are coming to my mind right now. One is like, before you diagnose yourself or get diagnosed with depression, make sure that you are not first, make sure that you're not surrounded by assholes. That's the first quote. Then the second quote is it's not, it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society. And I kind of feel like both of those play into like the story of mental health and the story of people being able to live in their authenticity without being ridiculed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. It's it's so misinterpreted. I feel like our sensitivities are so misinterpreted as being socially inadequate or socially not acceptable or whatever it may be. And to be honest, I feel like the systems that are most broken are the education systems I don't want to say most because we, we got some pretty hardcore ones in there, but the education system where we're not given resources at the youngest age possible to know how to regulate our emotions and to yes. accept them and know what they mean. We have no, no standpoint for a, we have no healthy reference to yes. deal with our own selves when it comes down to the inner voice, the feelings. And we immediately, I mean, I guess I'm speaking for the masses, but it's a human condition where we tend to gravitate towards blaming ourselves, shame, mm-hmm. shutting down. And if the education system can, can apply some attention to that emotional body as being probably the most important uh, before you start doing your ABCs and the one, two, threes, just to understand your own emotionality and know how to process your, and regulate and create a, a strong system to navigate your way through the earth, these earthly realms. Um, yeah, I, I think we've got to re-educate that. And the parents as well, how to deal with the children, support them. Yeah, and I wish that mindfulness had come into my life at an earlier age because I think if I had that tool of self-awareness and to self-regulate and to become present and to not be afraid of my thoughts and emotions, I think that I would have, the the journey would have been cut a lot shorter. Mm -hmm. It's just, I mean, mindfulness and meditation and 
holistic practices, just having that in your daily life, at least for me, has been such a game changer and has really given me a much greater control over my thoughts and emotions throughout the entire day. Yeah. It's, it's, it seems like a no brainer to have that as the fundamental education, but, um, I guess we have to learn that the hard way. And as you said, that's all part of the journey and it's all perfect because all of that nudged you towards revealing your own remedy and you needed all of that to happen. So let's get back into your amazing story. So you wake yes. up in the middle of the night. You, how old were you? 15, did you say? I'm 16. It's the middle of my junior year. It's a Thursday. I have a sweet 16 on that Saturday. I have all these plans and I'm pulled out of bed. Were you terrified? It's in the middle of the night and two people are in the darkness at at the bottom of your bed, dragging you out of your bed. Were you terrified? Did you (laughs) push your pants? Come on, tell us. Okay. (laughs) I was... I was very scared, but I also somehow knew that the only way to retain any sense of control over the situation was to choose to comply because either way I was going. But if I chose to go, then I at least felt like I had more power in the situation versus literally being dragged because I'm sure they would have done that. Um, so it was, it was terrified, but it was simultaneously, there was no time for that. It was get up, get out of bed, get your clothes on. We're going. And it was just, okay, I'm choosing to do this. Goodbye. I don't know what's happening, but you know, goodbye. I have to go. Wow. That's what it was like. Yeah. And the whole process is to remove distractions. So they tell you as little as possible so that you are just in the moment. So I didn't know, all I knew was that I was getting on a flight to Atlanta. I didn't know where I was going, for how long, what I, you know, all I knew, I'm going to Atlanta and I can bring my iPod, but I won't need my charger. That's what they told me. You could bring your iPod, but you won't need your charger where you're going. I'm like, oh God, like, what does that even mean? Um, and then the whole, but the whole process was like that in the woods. It was you don't know how long you're going to be there. You don't even, you didn't even know if you were going to be staying in the same campsite. It was, you get us, are we staying? Are we going? What are we doing today? Where are we hiking? What time is it? No watches. You know, it was just completely in a very extreme way to just remove anything that was going to take you outside of your body and outside of your experience. Wow. So this was an, essentially a boot camp to help you rewire your perspective on life or how would you phrase what this camp's mission was? So I would say that the wilderness was the place where you first started to take off the masks. It was removing the distractions. It was recognizing that you were lost, you know, quote unquote, lost in the woods within yourself. And it was easing your way into the idea that you were not going to go home and that this was just the start of an entire therapeutic process. Um, And so, and it was, I mean, the woods out of the whole thing, I actually grew to really like it in a way because it was so simple. We got up, we were outside, we hiked, we ate, we journaled that was it. It was, there was nothing, there was no social dynamics to worry about, no homework, no tests, no, I, you know, trajectory of your career. It was just be here now, which actually is scary is, is very scary too, because you just had to be there now. Um, but it was also simple and comforting. And then from there, the boarding school was like, all right, roll up your sleeves. We are diving in. We are digging it up. We are going into the dirt, you know, finding that lotus in the mud. Um, But to do that, we have to get very real about what is covering that up. 
What is that? Where is that coming from? So the boarding school was the most intense piece of the whole thing. Wow. And did you get any incredible breakthroughs on the other side of this rigorous program? And how long were you there for? So the total, I was away from home for almost two years. That's, wow. Yeah, I, mean, I, ha- I, I mean, I went home after a year for a visit, but the program, the duration of the whole thing was almost two years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of breakthroughs, but I really consider it the beginning. It wasn't this, it wasn't like this happened. And then now I'm here. It was like, okay, this is the beginning. The masks are off. I'm digging through the stuff. I'm getting to the root. I'm learning. I can't run anymore. Here I am. And then that's why when I left, when I graduated, I was so inspired to study holistic healing because I was like, I need tools to navigate daily life. You know, these things that I learned at the boarding school are not necessarily applicable for functioning on a day-to-day. I want skills. I want mindfulness. I want aromatherapy, yoga, Reiki. I want to understand how I can do things with my mind and body to regulate myself. So I went, I was just completely, I deep dove into the world of holistic healing to really, from a place of seeking. And I think we all do that, but really from this place of seeking, I wanted to create my own toolbox. Wow. Incredible. And can I just take it back to the moment where you came out of the the, the boarding school so, so you came out and did you feel as though you had a total mental, emotional reboot? Did you feel as though those two years really did the trick and did they, did it traumatize you in any way? The intensity yeah. of it, yeah. the duration of it? Yeah. So when I, so when I left the woods, that was probably even more of a crazy experience because I had been living outside for 10 weeks and it was winter and it was freezing And so to go from there and to have my first shower in 10 weeks inside, it was unbelievable. But then graduating from the boarding school, I felt very raw. I mean, all of the work that we were doing was so vulnerable. And so we were so emotionally available. We were, our relationships, um, we were getting to know each other on the deepest levels without even understanding each other like on the day-to-day, if that makes sense, because all of our work was focused around the pain and the trauma and you know whatever had happened or whatever we had experienced. So it was almost like I left there with this PhD in emotional intelligence but with the social awareness of a 16-year-old where I had left off. So I had to like figure out how to relate to people in a normal way, that it isn't normal to sit down at breakfast and talk about your trauma with your mom, like all the time. That's just not like, that's reserved for certain times, you know? So it was a lot of learning and Fit, you know, figuring out, okay, so now I'm 18. I missed these two years of like social life. How do I go? And then, and then because of that, some of my college years were very extreme, you know, trying to compensate. Um, and it wasn't really until my junior year of college where I just kind of balanced out and just got regulated, mm-hmm. you know, okay. felt more like myself. Got it. So the time in the boot camp <laughs> yeah. helped you understand, helped you gain that sense of emotional intelligence and understand yes. where, how your brain and mind operates and what's acceptable and what's not an X, Y, Z. But then at the same time, as happens in life, you get a new set of problems once the older ones are done and you're coming out and you're still who you are, but you have a new understanding of how to deal with it, how to self-regulate, as you said, but then you're overcompensating by um, being kind of locked into that little bubble for two years. 
So that caused you to kind of get in college, get further into experimentation and other things. Is that what you were kind of yeah. alluding to? Yeah, got it. Yeah, I, I mean, I went a little crazy, you know, I just, I just let myself go. I just, I had my time. I was excessively drinking and promiscuity. And it was like those two years where I wasn't, you know, didn't go to prom and didn't have those relationships and experiences. It was like, I needed to somehow learn through that. Like that in itself was valuable for me as well, just as much as was sharing my deepest traumas in the group of, you know, in front of a group of people. Got it. So that's interesting. So it wasn't like you got sent off to the boarding school and the, the boot camp in the wilderness and then all your problems are done with. It's not like that's the remedy. Oh, no. That was just Oh no, it was the start. <laughs> yeah. That's why I say it was the start. It was it was the start of the journey. It was okay, there's something here. I can't keep conducting my life this way because this isn't working. Here's the start of exploring all of that. Mm-hmm. And then I actually even maybe look at graduating and leaving there as the start. You know, it was okay, now that I know this. what am I going to do with it? So I'm in college. I'm doing again, again, there was always this dynamic of wanting to fit in. And it just, it, I met it back there when I was in college. And so, but now I have a much, a much more profound understanding of myself and self-awareness. So it was like, I was doing these behaviors, but through a much clearer lens and with, with, um, much more clarity. So it didn't, it didn't take over in the same way. There wasn't that so, you know, so much of that emotional weight carried. It was more intentional. It was more intentional and, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, more intentional and did not have as much of a grip over me. Like I would, I would do the behaviors, but then was, passionately studying yoga and uh, aromatherapy and mindfulness and just immersing myself in the practices that I was so interested in. Got it. So your breakthrough by the sounds of it was realizing at the other end of that boarding school and boot camp that it wasn't enough to just philosophize and get emotional intelligence around the issue, around your kind of um, root cause of your problems. But it was really about activating momentum in the tools and daily practices in going out there and having, um, I guess, a structure in your life which um, got you into action around health and balance and spirit and all of that. Brilliant. Wow. Yes. And so, yes. and so tell me where that took you. So you came out, you started getting into mindfulness, studying yoga, studying aromatherapy. And then what was that gateway to? So, yeah, so it was, I was in school and I was studying religion and philosophy academically. And I basically created my own extracurricular life of going into the town of Saratoga where I was in college and meeting with people. I met with yogis and acupuncturists. I would go to holistic healing centers and have this really individualized education um, where I just immersed myself into the practices that I was also trying to understand through an academic lens in school. So I'm studying philosophy, I'm studying uh, the philosophies of certain religions, but that wasn't enough. I wanted to actually practice and I wanted to understand through the lens of the people who were doing these activities every day, why they were doing them and how they were supporting their emotional regulation on a daily basis. Mm. Brilliant. Wow. That's so profound because it's really about assimilating all of our senses to a new vibration in order for us to fully transform, I guess, or integrate them properly. You can't just think about it. You have to be in action around it. Well done. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I actually, I incorporated essential rose out of my college dorm room and don't ask me how this happened because I honestly don't really know, but it was almost like I had this divine 
inspiration that um, if I created an on-campus apothecary, people would be really into it because I went to Skidmore College, which was a liberal arts school and people were, you know, liberal and into hippie sort of things. And I was like this, the people here, the students here would be into this apothecary. And out of all of the things that I had been studying, I felt very uh, interested by nature, by the healing capacity of plants, medicinal plants, the fact that these things just grow and you can use them to heal and they're just there for you and to support you. Mm. So I, I created what I called Skid Apothecary, which was the Skidmore College Apothecary, where I just started blending and brewing and mixing my own creations. And from there, I was like, wow, this is actually what I'm going to do when I graduate. So I incorporated essential rose. Oh my gosh. This is such a brilliant story. And this is also a great segue (laughs) to talk about this episode sponsor, because it's all about using medicinal potions as a way to up your vibration. And I personally love using food as medicine and yes, so does Four Sigmatic, guys. So here's a little bit on that. When medicinal mushrooms first started to become a buzzword, do you remember that, guys? A few years ago, I tried so many brands but stuck with Four Sigmatic due to the delish and versatile range of concoctions they offer. They feature five core different mushrooms throughout their product, each targeting a specific health issue. These powerful mushrooms are carefully crafted with the latest health and wellness trending drinks, of course, such as ceremonial grade matcha mushroom tea to golden turmeric lattes, organic mushroom coffee and decaf coffee and hydration mixes. They bring fun, innovation and high vibe to the health and wellness scene. Another thing that I can say about Four Sigmatic is that they really taste good. These drinks do not taste like mushrooms and you do not want to have a medicinal drink that you're cringing at every sip. And this drink is actually delicious. You add this, make this your morning tradition, and you're going to be super happy every morning when you're taking that sip. Mm -hmm. I can testify to that, baby. Check out their free e-learning course on the website if you want to dive deeper into this as well. Get a 15% discount off your Four Sigmatic purchase. Go to foursigmatic.com slash MLF or just use our discount code MLF at checkout to spell it out for you. F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash MLF. All right, Jennifer. So basically you were telling us about how you just surrounded yourself with medicine and that was the birth yes. of essential rose life. So yes, you started this yes. incredible apothecary and you were called to the plants and the healing power of the plants, which I am so into and inspired by. I feel like mother nature has everything we need and to adapt to the frequency of the perfection of mother nature, we can heal all imbalances through that. We just have to understand it, study it, honor it and, and use it, not be afraid of it. So tell us about how that. Yes. And I think, yeah. And I, I think going back, circling back to our conversation earlier about sensitivity and emotion and intensity, Nature, I think, is such a powerful antidote to that because it just is so grounding and so balancing and so purifying. For me, I mean, it could just bring tears to my eyes just thinking about what it feels like for me to be in the mountains and to have my feet in the earth and to be with trees and just to see the sky. I think there was something I just intuited about the plants that they could help me regulate. And so I started to work with them and I quickly realized that I wanted some kind of formal education in this because all, you know, all I had been doing was researching 
herbalists online, Rosemary Gladstar, Seven Songs, Susan Wood. I'm just like researching and making these concoctions. And so I decide to take uh, a clinical aromatherapy certification. And it was in that certification that I fell in love with essential oils and realized how powerful and beautiful and dynamic they were. And it was from that, it ended up being a 300 hour advanced clinical certification. It was through that program where I developed the framework for the Essential Rose Life line. Mm. And Essential Rose Life, I'm so glad also circling back to what you said earlier about the journey and how the journey is so essential. I'm so glad that I've had this journey because I took that certification in 2015. And it wasn't until maybe last year where I it all came together and I really settled into what essential rose is. And I realized that essential rose is a mood balancing beauty brand for mental health and healthy skin. That my mission here is to change up the conversation around mental illness, around mental health, to destigmatize these feelings that we all feel in some way through a line of products and through an entire platform. Mm. But it took, it was a whole process to land there. And so, and I think that's really important for people to hear. It doesn't happen overnight. And if you're like me and you're from New York and you're just, you want things to have happened yesterday, just slow down because the journey is essential to allowing the pieces to fall into place and to gain the clarity to allow the vision to unfold. Mm, so valuable. It's so valuable that that slow journey with your eyes wide open and seeing what resonates yes. and what you need to leave behind and refining it each step of the way. It's near to impossible to get an idea and execute it fully the next day because <laughs> you just end up redoing oh, it again yeah. a thousand times. Back to the drawing board. But you're right, if you can have patience. Well, with because, it. yes, because Essential Rose, when it was Skidpothecary, was a tea line. I was making teas. And then it was a tea and beauty line. And now it's a beauty brand for mental health and healthy skin. I needed those periods of time, those experiences to uncover the real truth of what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. It's such as life. It's like, <laughs> that's why I have no regrets, even though I also have had crazy phases of just being wild and whatever it may be, there were no mistakes in that because all of that led me to knowing who I am, what I'm about, what I want, what I don't want, who I am. Like all of it, it has created a beautiful refinement of who I am today. This, yeah, it's, it's very necessary. So can you tell me about what have you, through that incredible journey, what have you come to formulate as being your star products? What is in your range? Hmm. Okay. So basically the line is very simple yet complete. And our best-selling product is our rose gold face oil. And what's so beautiful about this face oil is that, yes, it is a face oil with skin cell regenerative properties. It has rosehip seed and argon and pomegranate and jojoba. And it's a really decadent and luxurious oil for all skin types. But what's so beautiful about it is the essential oils, rose, rose geranium, bergamot, rosemary, they really fortify and nourish on an emotional level. They support healing, emotional balance, relief from trauma and grief. They promote stress relief. So in each of my formulations, I'm considering the skin and the physical as well as the mood, the mind, and the emotional. And each oil comes with a mantra that's written on the label. And the mantra for the rose gold face oil is I nourish myself on a cellular and emotional level. And the idea is as you're massaging this into the face and the neck and the chest, you're just 
recognizing you're bringing again mindfulness and awareness to the routine and transforming it into this healing supportive ritual so all of the products are designed that way we have uh, two what we call mood mists so mood mists are mood balancing facial toners that promote fresh skin and a fresh perspective so the essential oils and the hydrosols purify and cleanse and tone the skin but they also add this benefit of mindfulness of bringing you into your body and into the moment if you've ever misted something above your head and just let the mist fall over your skin you'll know that it completely transforms your space and your mood so we love when people carry those on them keep them at their desks at work I know certain um, people in my community are therapists and they'll keep them on their desk and use in between clients. Like that's the goal here. It's how can we create products that people feel inspired to use to create ritual on the go? So beautiful and so important to have the double whammy of working with your emotionality and your physicality simultaneously. And not just that, I love the fact that it's a beauty product because as an individual, you're then making an intentional movement, an intentional action towards self-care by, by saying, I'm yes. going to put this on my skin and I know it's going to serve my mental space and my physical space. You are telling yourself, I am worth it. I am investing into my health yes. and my life. And it's a routine, like it's, it's a beauty routine. So you do it every day. And so when you get into that habit of intentionally um, self, like loving, loving on yourself, it changes something in your brain. It creates that neural pathway oh, that's absolutely. like self-nourishment is part of my day, it's part of my life. And that's the basis of good mental health. <laughs> creating space to actually like nourish yourself on all levels. So it's brilliant. I mean, well done. So beautiful. Thank you. And and, and it's really important that through the mantras on the labels, people recognize that their beauty, that they're beautiful because of how they're feeling and how they're loving themselves and how they're treating themselves and because of how they're, thinking about themselves and the world around them that the beauty is really it it really comes from within and so many products on the market so many brands focus on the physical and the external and I feel like this only feeds into women's insecurities and their disconnect with themselves and we want to change this up and we want to remind every single woman that she's beautiful because of who she is and how she shows up for herself. And these products are a way for her to show up for herself, to provide that nourishment that you were just talking about and to take care and to take time and to make herself a priority. And just you watch how her entire life starts to mirror that self-worth. It's, it's quite remarkable in periods of my life when I've felt like the need, I, need, I need to shake things up in regards to how I'm feeling about myself because I'm just hitting dead ends. I'm beating myself up. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm not, like the, I'm not vibrating with the, the friends in my life. Things just aren't flowing, and I, I really simplify it, and it comes down to my self-worth and my relationship with myself. And in, when I've had those periods in my life and I make it my mission to find that sense of peace acceptance and true authentic love for myself it is miraculous how all the elements in my life start to morph to reflect that sense of love that my job opportunities my health the romantic relationships the friendships all these things start to to change and become extraordinary and it's just kind of the dance of life. The more we're able to understand that we're the master creator and it, a great life really starts with honoring yourself and, you know, creating that strong love within yourself, then 
it just flows out. So you, you just can't go wrong. It's, it's, such, a, it's such an important um, rule of thumb to have. So can, can you share with us, Jennifer, some other um, personal like care routines that you apply? Yes, I'm so yeah, excited. Please, that help yes. you keep in a really great mental health state. What, what else, what other tricks do you have up your sleeve? Okay, so I find that having a morning meditation, a daily morning meditation practice is indispensable to my mental health and well-being. That if I don't do anything else in life, but I make sure that I get up and I meditate, then I will be a significantly more balanced, peaceful um pleasant person to be around and I will be able to attract into my life the abundance and the opportunities uh, because I will not get in my own way. So if you are sensitive, if you're not sensitive, if you're breathing, if you're human, please, if you can do this for yourself, if you can wake up five, 10, 30 minutes earlier and grant yourself a meditation practice, I promise you, it will change your life. So for me, I've been meditating for years. So my meditation practice is 30 minutes of silent meditation. Now, I would not recommend that for someone who's just starting out that it's, that would feel very cumbersome and stressful. So it's very individualized. Even if you only have five minutes, I really think that taking that time to sit with yourself and breathe will change your life and your day. I really do. Um, and so in my meditation, I'm very inspired by mindfulness, which I've mentioned several times on this interview. So what is that? What is mindfulness? What does that mean? Really? What it is, is choosing an anchor to keep you present. So you sit and you focus on an anchor. The anchor could be your breath. It could be following your breath, going in and out. It could be sound. It could be the sound of cars on the road or people in the room next to you. Or if you're me and you're in Northern New Mexico, the sound of cowbells, mm -hmm. the sound of the wind. It could be sensation in your body. So choosing an anchor and the whole practice is coming back to the anchor. The practice is not focusing on trying to quiet your mind. If you focus on trying to quiet your mind, you will get stressed out because our minds are crazy and that only makes us feel more pressure. So choosing your anchor and continuing to come back to your anchor and every time your mind wanders, you just gently bring it back to your anchor. That, in a nutshell, is an accessible mindfulness practice for anyone. Um, and like I said, if you only have five minutes, grant yourself that. You're worth it if you can try for 10, 20, 30. I know some people that meditate for hours at a time. I mean, I'm not there yet, but good. You know, that's great if you can. Um, it doesn't matter the length of time, in my opinion. It's simply the ritual of creating that space to quiet, put your phone on airplane mode, and just be with yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say that that is the number one for me. Another ritual that I love is to make myself a cup of tea, right? And so ritual, it, from, from my perspective... It really just means infusing action with intention. So yes, you can make your cup of tea hurriedly and put it in a to-go cup and drink it out the door and maybe spill it on yourself <laughs> in the car. Or you can create a ritual around drinking your tea and allow the water to boil and sit and have your cup and allow it to ground you. For me, having a cup of tea, making a tea break in my day is very, very important. Um, and nature, as we were talking about before, I was, you know, I was saying that from a very personal experience, having nature in my life, 
even if it's cold, even if it's snowing, even if it's raining, just put on your jacket and go outside. That is beautiful. That that weather is something to embody and enjoy and be grateful for and just connect with. And, and it allows you, it takes you outside of yourself. So if you're a perfectionist, over self-critical, always thinking like me, then having these moments like going outside, no matter the weather, it just allows you to take the attention off of yourself um, in a healthy way and to, to expand your awareness. So you expand your awareness in meditation, you expand your awareness through the cup of tea, you expand your awareness in the rain or in the sun. And that's just really, for me, um, what it is about. Beautiful. And rebooting your vibration to a place that's healthy. Yes, yes that is so important. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's so important because we're so accustomed to running ourselves into the ground. We glorify this. We glorify the hustle, the grind, right? It's like we think that we're supposed to be... Pushing ourselves and experiencing this intense effort, and that if we do that, that is an indicator of our success. And I mean, I am definitely guilty of working myself very, very hard. So to have those moments of rebooting, it quite literally can refill you and refill your cup and plug in your, you know, your battery, um, which is essential to even producing good work mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah. It's true. Wow, there are so many things we can do for ourselves once we discover what works for us because, as you said, we're all bio-individuals and some things work really well for some people and for other people they're not that drawn to it or resonant with it and it's just a matter of finding your toolbox. And I just want to add another thing into that toolbox in case it resonates with anyone. I think it's on this topic of beautifying your mental health and we're talking about from the inside out, creating that space of balance and vibrancy and beauty. I would, I would really love to encourage people to lean into the discomfort of emotions, lean into the emotional space that seems intense. And I promise you in that investigation and embrace of that emotion, that is a roadmap that is leading you to something that needs to be released, that's beckoning to to breathe and to be let go of. And it's in the moments where we distract ourselves. I mean, you know, Jennifer, that's your whole story. It's in the moments when we distract ourselves from the feelings and, and, you know, busy ourselves, (coughs) excuse me, with work or relationships or drama or whatever it may be that we miss the opportunity to release that emotion and allow it to be. And I think we've been trained as a society to avoid discomfort and the emotional discomfort of feeling so much is almost the thing we need in order to find that health and that vibrancy and that self-love is allowing ourselves to feel it, not being afraid of it and trusting that, when you allow it to come to the surface, it dissipates, it dissolves, and then it opens up space for something new and beautiful. And even if it doesn't dissolve, it's leading you somewhere to a root cause of that emotionality, of that intensity. It's, it's, it's beckoning you to heal something deeper within you. So I really encourage people to not be afraid to lean into their emotions and see where it's truly leading them. Um, yes. And that I just want to add quickly that that for me is what a meditation practice provides. It's just the, the act of being quiet so I can feel, so I can sense like the other day I meditated and I realized I was like, wow, I am really anxious this morning. Like that, there were a lot of thoughts running around in that crazy old mind. And it wasn't, I wasn't being mean to myself. It was, it was just, it was almost like an investigative Mm -hmm. process. And it was like a, a sense of, okay, now that I know that I know that I can be aware in all of my other interactions throughout the day, that if I overreact, if I get very emotional, if I take something out of context, 
it's because my mind is already in this place today, that it may not be the reality of the situation. It may just be a way that I'm feeling and that's okay. So it's just that sense of awareness that you gain about your emotional state, about your mental state, about your energy through creating, carving out that time and space for you to be with yourself. The neutral witness. That's when all the brilliant breakthroughs and epiphanies come from. So much healing in that space. Wow. Jennifer, thank you so much. This has been such an insightful, beautiful, and vulnerable conversation. I so appreciate it. And I hope that people in our audience who can relate to this have found some type of inspiration and hope and dealing with, you know, your own inner beauty. Um, And Jennifer, can you tell our audience where to get hold of you and what you're up to and how to find your incredible products? Yeah, so my website is essentialroselife.com. Essential like essence, rose like the flower, and life like lifestyle. Um, And on there, you will be able to find the products and you actually will get uh, a discount through you guys. I forgot what it is. Yes, amazing. Um, Yeah, we get, we offer our listeners a discount. On our, on our shop tab, we have all the information there. I also forgot what percentage it is, but we do have a percentage off on all your purchases. Go to our shop tab and Essential Rose Life is there. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. And then, yeah, on, on Instagram, I'm at Essential Rose Life um, and, you know, Facebook, Essential Rose Life. So please find me i do try and promote and dish out and serve up more uh inspiring and educational content so i hope that it supports sorry you. i uh, my finger slipped i had a little music coming in there <laughs> i heard that i was that like was the universe. That was the universe music contract to me amazing wisdom <laughs> um brilliant <laughs> well yeah okay so every you, you got out the instagram you got the website everyone please check out Jennifer's products. Her mission is so from the heart and it's, it's designed for you guys. It's designed for everyone, sensitive, not sensitive. They're really high vibrational, thoughtful, stunning products. So thank you for doing what you do. And thank you for sharing with us today, Jennifer. We so appreciate it. And if you hadn't noticed, uh, Jen has disappeared. <laughs> She's, she, she kind of got bumped off yeah. the pole. Um, very early on in this interview. So she's not being, she's not being, you know, sitting there being fired and bored in the corner. She, she, okay. I thought, I thought maybe that was happening. And I was like, mm, it's what I'm saying. Like oh not vibing with her or maybe she's really contemplative. That's hilarious. No, she's disappeared off into the ethers and watching from above. Um, so I'm sure she sends her love. Now at the end of every interview, we love to offer our audience an invitation just so they can easily apply what we're an element of what we're discussing today into their own lives. So I would love to invite our audience to really sit with yourself in a moment of meditation, of silence, of peace, and just ask yourself where you're sitting on the self-love spectrum in this moment and Feel for your body's answer. Really be authentic with yourself and find where's my self-love space. And wherever you are, take note of that and it's okay. Remember, it's all perfect. It's okay. But apply one of our daily rituals that Jennifer and I were discussing, the one that resonates with you, and apply it to your daily life to nourish yourself and nurture that self-love because that is the cornerstone of the best life ever and everything you've ever wanted. So you can never invest enough into your self-love. So go forth and love on yourself all day long. Um, Is there anything you want to add to an invitation, Jennifer? Um, I just, yeah, I hope that whoever's listening, wherever you are on your journey of self-love, I hope that you can just have some compassion for yourself, recognize the incredible work that you're doing and recognize that you are exactly where you need to be. And you are so worthy of love, of self-love, of love from another. And every time that you show up for yourself, you just show that to the universe. So I hope that your practice, your 
self-love journey, your daily practice, all of the content you're listening to, the products you're using. I hope that everything you're filling your consciousness with is really reminding you of how beautiful you truly are. Kudos to that. And thank you for representing that and standing for that. And that is it. Yeah, thank you so much for being on with us, Jennifer. Really, really appreciate your story and your wisdom and sharing with us in the heart. And thank you, everyone who's listening to this episode. Thanks for being on this journey with us. And if this topic has resonated and helped you and given you some hope or you know anyone who may benefit from this discussion, please share this episode because we're here to spread the love and light and we can't do it without you. Leave us a review and subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already and enjoy your week. We're so excited to have you with us next week for more amazing, amazing information and love and light and all the good stuff. Bye guys. 